Hello, Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of TheHappyMD.com in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the latest episode of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Tools so you can recognize and prevent your own burnout. Stories of burnout put to its highest and best use and wellness leadership strategies. Everything you need to be a physician on purpose. Hello again, Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of the Happy MD in beautiful Seattle, Washington, with the latest edition of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. And today we have a very, very special guest, a real outlier. He's a bunch of standard deviations away from the center of the normal curve. Dr. Phil Ovedia, a cardiovascular surgeon who is going to tell you stories today about the progression of his career from, you know, standard surgical stuff to locum tenens and a really, really successful and meaningful entrepreneurial journey. And uh, I'm not going to go any further. Dr. Ovedia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dyke. It's great to be here with you. What I'd like to do is let you tell your story of the progression, perhaps shortly after, start your story shortly after you graduated from your residencies and fellowships and all that kind of stuff, and and bring us up to today. And I'm just going to stop you now and then and ask a few questions. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. So um, I certainly started off, like you said, in a very traditional uh, manner that most of your audience will be familiar with. Went to medical school, did my general surgery residency, a fellowship in cardio in cardiac surgery, and uh, went into employed practice, uh, working for healthcare systems as a uh, employed cardiac surgeon. And um, I'm going to guess that that didn't last very long. <laughs> well, it it lasted a uh, you know a, a decade plus. Okay, um, but I came to a realization uh, that it wasn't what I wanted and it wasn't really the best way that I could be serving my patients. And, you know, that that's a kind of interesting overlap, I guess, between my personal and professional journey. You know, along the way, I recognized that I was very unhealthy. I was morbidly obese. I was pre-diabetic and I was kind of headed for my own operating table, so to speak. Oh, wow. I didn't know what to do about it because I was following the advice that I had been taught to give my patients, and I sort of came to this realization that that advice wasn't working for me, and it obviously hadn't worked for my patients because they ended up on my operating table. I went down a path to first fix my own health, and along the way, I came to recognize the deficiencies of our healthcare system our focus on treating disease instead of preventing disease. Right. Uh, the realization that most of the people that ended up on my operating table didn't really need to end up there. We had failed them. We, the medical system, had failed them by letting them get to that point uh, and by not giving them the tools that actually worked. So I greatly improved my own health, lost over 100 pounds, reversed my prediabetes, and that taught me a lot about the deficiencies of my education and our medical system. And I got a, I got a question for you before we move on. And I get, I get that the personal preceded the professional, right? You fixed yourself. Uh, just a couple of quick questions. How much weight did you lose from your peak? Yeah, uh, over 100 pounds. Okay. And, and when you think back, 
on what you thought before that transformation and what you know now are there a couple of are, are there a couple of lessons that you learned but if i'd only known that this wasn't was wasn't healthy for me what are some just a couple of pearls you can share with our audience yeah i would say the big one is it really comes down to eating whole real food the standard approach that we've been taught you know the food pyramid the low fat diet the counting calories it is not what we need. That's not what makes us healthier. I, I realize now what a flawed concept that is. We're seeing the results of the failure of those concepts all around us. You know, the overwhelming pandemic of metabolic chronic diseases that we're dealing with uh, in the healthcare system is, is evidence that it doesn't work. And I would say the big principle that I learned is a lot of what was told to me as dogma turns out not to be true. And we really do need to start questioning everything. And so here you are, 10 years traditional practitioner. You notice that not only are you not as healthy as you could be by a long shot, I imagine it, it took a while, but when it hit you, it was clear that you wanted to be different metabolically and different in your physical appearance, but that some of your patients didn't need to be on the table if they'd have known what you know now. So what happens next? <laughs> yeah. So next, you know, from a professional standpoint, I recognize that being an employed physician, being sort of beholden to the healthcare system wasn't for me. And it wasn't working. And so I left my employed position. I started doing locum's work as an independent contractor. And initially, you know, I did that through the locum's companies, which, you know, is one degree of freedom, I would say. And then I just established my own company and started directly contracting with hospitals that were in need of my services, taking it to a, a, another level of entrepreneurial pursuit. While that was going on, I also set down a pathway to be able to focus on keeping people off the operating table. So I established a telemedicine practice, a concierge telemedicine practice that I work with patients now across the country. I ended up writing a book called Stay Off My Operating Table and become a podcaster, host my own podcast, frequent guest on other podcasts. I guess you could say a bit of a social media presence now to really get that word out, get that mission spread. And, you know, that's led me to a whole bunch of other interesting pursuits, which we probably won't have time to go into. But I guess, again, the, the meta principle for my fellow physicians is once you're willing to take the leap, it's really amazing what can happen. And I, I am sort of amazed when I look back now at where I am, because it's certainly nothing that I would have predicted years ago before this journey started. Right. And, and when I look at you and when I look at me and I think about our dear listeners who may be wondering about how do I escape this employee practice where I'm being asked to do stuff that's good for the company, but doesn't necessarily feel as good as I'd like it to for me. A lot of times people have a fantasy about escape. And sometimes they have a fantasy about escaping all patient care. What you and I have done is created a way of making a living that is practice adjacent, if you will. So what you've done is taken what you knew from your own personal experience, from your training, 
and your clinical experience and turned it into a service for the patient directly and simply shifted its focus from treating disease to prevention. Me, I stepped out and became a burnout coach, consultant, trainer, all that kind of stuff. Now, all my patients are doctors. And what I do is deal with the pursuit of satisfaction and happiness and fulfillment as a light worker, as a physician. So we didn't jump out. We aren't doing something completely different. We are infopreneurs, information entrepreneurs using a a worldwide web internet-based client acquisition system to spread what we know in your case about physical health and prevention and what I know about fulfillment and practice design and job search and all that kind of stuff. So we're examples of people who used to see patients who don't see patients anymore as a full-time. You still do. How many hours a month do you work as a cardiovascular surgeon still? So I work uh, approximately 15 days a month as a cardiac surgeon still, and then I run the telemedicine practice and uh, all the other stuff that goes with it. Um, And it's tough to say which one's on the side these days. Right. Uh, Quite frankly, I probably end up spending more time certainly thinking about it and planning it and, you know, how to grow it on the other stuff than the cardiac surgeon work. So I'm far enough into my career as a cardiac surgeon. Of course, that's never like an automatic thing, right. but it takes less planning for me to do all that than all of the new pursuits that I'm doing as a infopreneur. Great term that you uh, said. Yeah. Well, and and if you if you do live trainings and they're high energy and stuff like that, I've heard people call that infotainment. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you just real quick, and you don't have to answer my questions. I'm just curious. When you think about the time and energy you put into your established cardiac surgery practice and all of your other uh, infopreneur entrepreneurial activities, they're about equal. How about income? Are you in balance there too? Um, the same from each side? Yeah, it is in balance, but the the infopreneur side of it continues to grow. You know, I would say I've kind of the bottom line, you know, when you're looking at generating income as a cardiac surgeon is you need to spend more time to generate more income. That's the hamster wheel we're all on as physicians. Right. Peace workers. Yep. As an infopreneur, there are lots of creative ways that you can generate income without necessarily directly scaling the time involved. Correct. Uh, uh, That continues to grow well. I have a great team that now works with me on all of that. I continue to do cardiac surgery because, one, I love doing it. The decision to leave being employed, all of that, and and to shift towards this other stuff is never because I was dissatisfied as a cardiac surgeon. It's always just been that I I realized that there's a bigger mission for me to fulfill and that I was in a unique unique opportunity to be able to do that. Yep. Locus of control, right? Um, yeah. one, of the, one of the other things that you've done, you've loosed yourself from the need to be rooted in a single employee contract and walked into the locums world and put a really nice boundary around your practice 15 days a month. Is that 15 consecutive? Is it a block of oh, two weeks? Really, yeah, usually broken up into five to seven day blocks, essentially. Okay. So, so, so three or so blocks a month. And then yeah. I'm assuming that that this is locum. Is it one where you work in one location and you your official residence is someplace else? Yes. 
Exactly. So where do you live? <laughs> uh, so I live in I live in uh, a beautiful part of the country in St. Petersburg, Florida. And you uh, work. I work wherever, you know, most recently it's been uh, in Illinois. I, I, I've been establishing relationships with hospitals that have been lasting a year to two years. Mm. And they're kind of at will arrangements in the sense that I obviously have to be serving their needs but they have to be serving my needs. Correct. Because uh, there are plenty of places that I can go work. And that's a little bit of a difference in the mindset as well. As an employee, right. you're always worried about keeping your employer happy. And you're kind of always worried about, are they going to replace me? I, am I not going to be needed? Is there not going to be enough work? Where I have now taken the attitude of, there's always someplace else that I can go work. So if they're not keeping me happy, they're not meeting my needs, then I'm just as likely to walk out the door as they are to ask me to walk out the door. Right. And so what you have is what I call a free agent skill set, right? You know your value. You know how to interview. You actually don't even use an intermediary in your locums business. You contract directly. And so I would think that independence and freedom is one of your core values, right? <laughs> Based upon those actions. But what I would hope to that our dear listeners will hear too is that that's just as true for them as it is for you, especially in today's current job market where we have the boomer doctor retirement cliff in full swing, shortages of physicians all across the country. If you can figure out what your ideal practice is, and it just takes a couple of weeks for you to sit down and think about it and write it down in your journal. And if you can learn how to interview, stop being such a resident and learn how to interview, you can be a free agent too. And one of the other things, even though Dr. Vadia works in a, in a spot in person that's physically remote, simply because he's a surgeon and has to put his hands on people, there's all sorts of virtual opportunities out there where if you're stopping yourself from interviewing or looking for a new job where you are right now and you're saying, but I can't leave because mom lives right down the street and she's 86 and can't walk. Interview anyhow, because the virtual opportunities out there can make that you can switch jobs completely and never leave your own home. I was just going to jump in and say the telemedicine component of my professional life, my telemedicine practice, allows me to see patients all over the U.S. And I would say, you know, telemedicine is booming and there is loads of opportunity out there. So I hope the physicians listening to this get the message that just because there's only one way you've worked up until this point. I was only an employed cardiac surgeon. And quite frankly, I could only picture being an employed cardiac surgeon. But once you open your mind to the possibilities, there are lots of different ways that we can do what we do these days as physicians. There are lots of opportunities that our skill sets are applicable to, traditional patient care roles, and other. And so don't limit yourself just because you've only done it one way up until this point. Right. And if you think about it as an employee physician, uh, not only do you have to figure out a way to make enough of a difference that you feel on purpose, that, you, that going to medical school was a reasonable thing for you to want to do, and you're really making the difference that you wanted to. Not only are you fighting the rules of your employer, but you're also fighting all of the different rules of however many insurance companies that they accept. And that's one of the beautiful things when you step out into the world of coaching, 
and info products, training, online training and things like that, is that what you're doing is selling directly to the customer. At last, the, the, so the patient is your customer. And so you can actually get money directly from your clients for prevention programs like you do right now, health optimization and prevention programs and get cash on the barrelhead with nobody in between telling you what you can and cannot do. And heaven forbid, denying, denying your claims. Yeah, exactly. True. And, you know, for our uh, primary care colleagues out there, the world of uh, direct primary care uh, is really, yep. um, again, growing and it provides a huge opportunity so many of my colleagues in the metabolic health space have gone that direction because it allows them to deliver the care that they want to deliver to their patients, not the care that the insurance company and the employer are dictating that you, you deliver to your patients. Well, and the other thing that the other threshold that you've crossed, and again, um, I'm going to say what I said again, you're like four or five different standard deviations off of normal in your skill sets to be able to have taken these steps. Now, obviously that's over the entire, your entire lifetime, but it's one thing to be anointed the head of a work team as the surgeon in the OR. It's another thing to build your own teams inside your entrepreneurial business and learn how to run them effectively. And tell us a little bit about the teams that you have supporting you in your non-clinical practice right now. Yeah, very much true. And I think um, this is a example of being willing to recognize your own limitations and what you don't know and what you weren't taught, which doesn't mean you can't learn it, but sometimes it's more efficient to find people who already know it and let them do it for you. And, you know, we always perhaps, again, have that mindset of, well, it's going to cost me this much to pay someone to do this. And really the mindset that you need is I'm going to be able to profit, you know, this much by allowing this person to do it for me uh, is oftentimes a trade-off and, and trading off time, your time versus paying someone else to do things uh, when it comes to your business. So for me, that looks like having a COO partner who helps me to kind of run everything, um, having marketing director, sales director, having a traditional practice manager, uh, like many of us will be familiar with, and even having salespeople. And that's another thing that, quite frankly, was a little bit of a struggle because, you know, you, you go into medicine and you think, well, you don't need to sell stuff and you shouldn't be selling stuff. But, you know, the realization that I came to and, and I want all of my physician colleagues to wake up to is we are selling stuff every day. When we convince a patient to, in my case, undergo surgery, that's an idea that we're selling them, selling them on. If we're prescribing a medication and expecting our patients to take it, we're selling them on that. And Yes, to some degree, if you're working for a healthcare system, for instance, the patients are just showing up, but you still have to convince them to remain your patient. Right. If they come to your office and they have a horrible experience, they're not coming back again. So we are always selling people in medicine. And when you go out into uh, sort of, as you said, removing those intermediaries and directly essentially contracting with the patient, it a different type of sales 
that you need to get used to and or find people to help you with. It's not something you necessarily need to do yourself. But yes, I have a sales team that is part of my practice to find those patients and, and to bring them into the practice. Well, and I imagine that your your arc of your entrepreneurial venture to step out of surgery and into preventive health and metabolic health and all of that kind of stuff is one that many people who are listening right now can resonate with. What is your website where your metabolic health practice and your concierge practice is located? Yeah, so go to ifixhearts.com. And you, you can see all that we're doing, uh, all the different ways that we are serving patients with the telemedicine practice and related pursuits. We have coaching programs. We have information products. The book that I wrote now two years ago, Stay Off My Operating Table. You can see all about all of that stuff over at ifixhearts.com. And if you go visit ifixhearts, that's an S on the hearts, ifixhearts.com, um, what you're going to find is a mature infopreneur, internet-based client acquisition system. And he didn't start it like this. It's turned into this over years. So don't get intimidated. But that was built by a doctor who escaped an employee contract. He's in the wild now, folks. He's running free. <laughs> now, before I let you go, I have to ask a question about the hot topic of the moment. And I imagine maybe it's another episode. I don't know. Tell me about Ozempic. Yeah, not a big fan, uh, to be honest. I think it's, again, the answer to our chronic health problems lies in what we eat and what we do. And we can help people change what they eat and what they do. This is sort of uh, another way that we as physicians have been misled. Uh, we've been misled to believe that diet and lifestyle interventions are not effective and patients won't follow it. And the real problem is, is that we have been taught the wrong diet and lifestyle interventions. And therefore, when we try and teach our patients those, they don't follow it because it's lousy advice, quite frankly. And, you know, it's interesting to me, again, as I look back, as a physician, you're sort of trained, you've suggested an intervention for a patient, it's not working. The problem must be you, or the problem must be the patient, right? Either you didn't do a good job, or they didn't listen to you. And we really need to start questioning, maybe it was the advice that was bad in the first place. And maybe what we've been taught to give as advice isn't the right advice, and there might be other information out there. And that was very enlightening to me when I came across alternative information, things like low-carbohydrate diets, and I tried it for myself, and it worked great. And I started recommending it to patients, and they followed the advice, and it worked great. And all of a sudden, everyone was happy, except for the healthcare system, which I wasn't selling pharmaceuticals and surgeries uh, on their behalf anymore. You broke uh, the mold, darn it. I you're, broke you're, the mold, but you're, you're off the reservation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, we all can do it. So I really encourage, uh, like I said, all the physicians out there in the audience to think about, are there different ways that I can deliver better care and more value to my patients. And in doing so, just to put on the, the spectacles, is there a business here? And all the different ways that you can be a force for good when it comes to healthcare, delivery, prevention, nutrition, 
active lifestyles, metabolic health, all of that stuff doesn't really happen inside our traditional Western medicine insurance paid system because we wait for something bad to happen and then jump in and try to fix it. Awesome. Any last words for our listeners from our little introductory discussion today? Yeah, I just encourage uh, everyone out there, the physicians especially, that we need to take back control of healthcare and we need to put the patient back at the center of healthcare rather than this system that really they're just a commodity and they're not getting the care that they deserve. Right on, right on. Well, Dr. Phil Ovedia at ifixhearts.com. <laughs> A shining example of somebody who wasn't willing to accept the status quo through a personal epiphany, stepped outside of his employed practice into a defined locum setting, and now is a world-class entrepreneur on the web. So go check out his website. Thank you so much for your time today. I'll see you all in the next edition of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Until then, keep breathing and have a great rest of your day.